Chapter thirty seven of Brigands of the Moon. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Amy Graymore. Brigands of the Moon by Ray Cummings. Chapter thirty seven. With puny fists I pounded the panel. A small pane in it was transparent. Within the lock I could see the blurred figures of Anita and her captor, and it seemed another figure there. The lock was some ten feet square with a low ceiling. It glowed with a dim tube light. I strained at it with futile, silent effort. The mechanism was here to open this manual, but it was now clasped from within so it would not operate. A few seconds while I stood there in a panic of confusion, raging to get in, this disaster had come so suddenly. I did not plan. I had no thought save to batter my way in and rescue Anita. I recall that I finally beat on the glassite pane with my bullet projector until the weapon was bent and useless, and I flung it with a wild despairing rage at my feet. They were letting the ship's air pressure into this lock. Soon they would open the inner panel, step inside the secondary chamber, and in a moment more would be within the ship's hull corridor. Anita lost to me. The outer panel suddenly opened. I had lunged against it with my shoulder. The giant figure inside slid it. It was taken by surprise. I half fell forward. Huge arms went around me. The goggled face of the helmet peered into mine. So it's you, Haljan. I thought I recognized that little device over your helmet bracket. And here is my little Anita come back to me again. Miko. This was he. His great bloated arms encircling me, bending me backward, holding me helpless. I saw over his shoulder that Anita was clutched in the grip of another helmeted figure. No giant, but tall for an earthman, almost as tall as myself. Then the tube light in the room illumined the visor. I saw the face, recognized it. Moa. I gasped. So I've got you, Miko. Got me. You're a fool to the last, Haljan, a fool to the last. But you were always a fool. I could scarcely move in his grip. My arms were pinned. As he slowly bent me backward, I wound my legs around one of his. It was as unyielding as a steel pillar. He had closed the outer panel. The air pressure in the lock was rising. I could feel it against my suit. My helmeted head was being forced backward. Miko's left arm held me. In his gloved right hand, as it came slowly up over my throat, I saw a knife blade, its naked, sharpened metal glistening blue-white in the light from overhead. I seized his wrist. But my puny strength could not hold him. The knife against all of my efforts came slowly down. A moment of this slow, deadly combat, the end of everything for me. I was aware of the helmeted figure of Moa casting off Anita, and then the two girls leaping upon Miko. I threw him off his balance, and my hanging weight made him topple forward. He took a step to recover himself. His hand with the knife was flung up with an instinctive involuntary balancing gesture, and as it came down again, I forced the knife-blade to graze his throat, its point caught in the fabric of his suit. His startled oath jangled in my ears. The girls were clawing at him. We were all four scrambling, swaying. With despairing strength I twisted at his wrist. The knife went into his throat. I plunged it deeper. His suit went flabby. He crumpled over me and fell, knocking me to the floor. His voice, with a horrible gurgling rasp of death in it, rattled my ear-grids. Not such a fool, are you, Haljan? Moa's helmeted head was close over us. I saw that she had seized the knife, jerked it from her brother's throat. She leapt backward, waving it. I twisted from beneath Miko's lifeless, inert body. As I got to my feet, Anita flung herself to shield me. Moa was across the lock, back up against the wall. The knife in her hand went up. 
She stood for the briefest instant regarding Anita and me, holding each other. I thought that she was about to leap upon us. But before I could move, the knife came down and plunged into her breast. She fell forward, her grotesque helmet striking the grid floor almost at my feet. Greg! She's dead. No, she moved. Get her helmet off. There's enough air here. My helmet pressure indicator was faintly buzzing to show that a safe pressure was in the room. I shut off Moa's errant's motors, unfastened her helmet, and raised it off. We gently turned her body. She lay with closed eyes, her pallid face blue. With our own helmets off, we knelt over her. Oh, Greg, is she dead? No, not quite, but dying. Greg, I don't want her to die. She was trying to help you there at the last. She opened her eyes. The film of death was glazing them, but she saw me, recognized me. Greg! Yes, Moa, I'm here. Her vivid lips were faintly drawn in a smile. I'm so glad you took the helmets off, Greg. I'm going, you know. No. Going back to Mars to rest with the firemakers where I came from. I was thinking. Maybe you would kiss me, Greg. Anita gently pushed me down. I pressed the white, faintly smiling lips with mine. She sighed, and it ended with a rattle in her throat. Thank you, Greg. Closer. I can't talk so loudly. One of her gloved hands struggled to touch me, but she had no strength, and it fell back. Her words were the faintest of whispers. There was no use living without your love, but I want you to see now that a Martian girl can die with a smile. Her eyelids fluttered down. It seemed that she sighed and then was not breathing. But on her livid face the faint smile still lingered to show me how a Martian girl could die. We had forgotten for the moment where we were. As I glanced up I saw through the inner panel, past the secondary lock, that the hull's corridor was visible, and along its length a group of Martians was advancing. They saw us and came running. Anita, look, we've got to get out of here. The secondary lock was open to the corridor. We jammed on our helmets. The unhelmeted brigands by then were fumbling at the inner panel. I pulled at the lever of our outer panel. The brigands were hurrying, thinking that they could be in time to stop me. One of the more cautious fumbled with a helmet. Anita, run. Try to keep your feet. I slid the outer panel and pushed at Anita. Simultaneously the brigands opened the inner port. The air came with a tempestuous rush. A blast through the inner port, through the small pressure lock. A wild rush, out to the airless moon. All the air in the ship madly rushing to escape. Like feathers we were blown with it. I recall an impression of the hurtling brigand figures and swift flying rocks under me. A silent crash as I struck. Then soundless, empty blackness. End of chapter 37